Hey everyone, today's guest is Adam Devine, who you know from Workaholics, Modern Family, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, The Righteous Gemstones, and the new Quibi original, Bad Ideas. I think Adam is just hilarious. Later in the episode, I'm joined by online dating expert Mark Brooks to answer questions and offer advice about online dating, something I really know nothing about. But first, here's Adam. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. This is the big thing of my week, so this is pretty exciting. Oh, I love it. I did my hair. <laughs> I took a shower. Big day. I know. Wow. Well, all right. You're engaged, right? I am. I know. We're going to jump into this for a second. Do you mind? That's where I draw the line. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's cool. <laughs> so are you guys going to have a wedding? Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> debatable at this point. No, we were both pretty bad at planning. Mm-hmm. So we got engaged October of last year. And then we didn't have anything on the books once the pandemic hit. And then we were like, just dealing with like, are we all going to die? I know. That wasn't at the forefront of our mind. And then once we realized probably more than likely won't, then we've started planning and now it's going to be the fall of next year. So hopefully the COVID rain is over and we get to be married in front of people. Can you anticipate which party member will bring the drama? Her family's pretty small and mine is pretty drunk. So it's for sure going to be my side of the family, but it won't be drama. It'll just be like someone's for sure going to puke. Oh, okay. All right. Like without a doubt. Like, I don't think there's going to be any fights, but definitely I'm going to have like an aunt puke in a bush and then like an uncle be like, I love you guys. You guys are so cute. And constantly going to want to, you know, like hit the glass and make us kiss. That's going to be the amount of drama. That maybe you witness or are privy to, I bet that your fiance is going to have a different experience. That's true. Weddings bring out a funny quality in people where they need a little bit of attention sometimes. Oh, you mean like not even like us. It's like other people that are like, I know it's your big day, Uh but actually I'm not getting attention. Uh So yeah. Or like, I'm really surprised you didn't invite Sophie. Oh. It's just like the little things that peck at you when things feel very heightened emotionally and other people can't really wrap their head around that. (laughs) I'm already kind of going through some of that right now. I mean, like the smallest amount of that, but like we have family that I straight up don't know. Like, just don't know these people at all. I have met them when I was, like, nine. And then now that I'm in, like, TV and movies, suddenly they're, like, acting like we grew up together. And I'm like, I just don't know you guys. Right. And so my mom is like, well, you're inviting them. I hope they don't listen to this. They might. They might listen to everything I do. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, so my mom's like, we send her the list of everyone we plan on inviting in case we, like, forgot, like, oh, you forgot my sister or something. And then she's like, but what about X, Y, Z? And we're like, but I don't know those people. I don't, do I have to? I guess. But we'll see. I've been married twice. 
And I'm engaged because you got to get back on that horse. You got to jump right back in. You do. You do. You got to. I will gotta not let the cynical side of me take me down. <laughs> no, no. That is good. That's probably a more healthy way to do it. But at one of the weddings, my ex husband's best friend brought like a, a pretty spicy lady. <laughs> and it was magnificent. She was dancing on top of this fireplace mantle, and she wasn't wearing any underwear. And I get a kick out of that kind of shit. Yeah. I'm not prudish, but, you know, some of the older ladies, like, kept grabbing me and, like, what, like, can you even believe that? Or whatever. But it was a spectacle. Yeah. That's the type of drama I want at yeah. the wedding. I'm like, give me that kind of drama where we can all, like, look back at it and laugh. You just don't want someone to be like, Uncle Mike got stabbed. <laughs> So we were up at this snow lodge up in the mountain. Cool. We were at this steakhouse, and we had taken a shuttle bus there. So there's like dancing, whatever. Everyone's having a great time. Everyone's wasted. And this gal thought that I was hitting on my ex-husband's best friend, her date. What, the spicy lady? The spicy lady. Mm -hmm. The spice came to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's your wedding it's night. It's my wedding. Yeah. So she's kind of in my face, and I'm, like, bemused. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the kind of drama that I was hoping for, and I'm glad yeah. that my emotional investment is pretty minimal. Yeah. Because everyone else was just like, you know, this is, like, shit that happens in Washington State. But she <laughs> goes out to this shuttle bus. The driver is somewhere. And it's probably, like, midnight, maybe 1.00. She takes the keys out of the ignition and she throws them out into the middle of the forest, deep into the snow, as some kind of punishment for all. Ha ha, now none of us will get to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> totally. So we had to wait for, like, somebody to come so they could go, like, get some cars to bring it back. But it was great, though. It was awesome. It was wow. like, that's the... It was well, I great. really hope something like that happens. Yeah. Now, did she stick around in the friend group for long? No. Yeah. She was a one-hitter quitter. It was a weekend wedding. She was there the next day in good spirits, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> in too good of spirits. Still no underwear. Uh, yeah, she I was wearing angry. multiple pairs, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Okay, I have some questions for you. I want to talk about bad ideas. That's on Quibi right now, right? It's a Quibi a ridge. It looks pretty wild. I had a little bit of feeling of being left out when I was watching. I just want to give you a little guilt trip, Adam, as we get to know each other. Hey, next season, I, I, I'm running out of friends over here that want to do this stuff with me. But it looks crazy. So you take your friends on these wild, stunty adventures. Yeah, so the whole premise is I take a famous friend of mine and we go do crazy stuff. I was shooting this movie called Mike and Dave New Wedding Dates a few years ago, and me and Zach Efron were Mike and Dave, and he was like, hey, do you want to go shark diving? And I'm like, no, but, you know, I'm trying to bond with my co-star, so I'm like, yeah, okay. And we go swim with sharks. And it was like the craziest experience of my life. There were sharks everywhere. Zach like rode a tiger shark, grabbed it by its fin like a psychopath. And afterwards, when we didn't die and no one got bit, I was like, that was like one of the craziest things. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. What if I could have a whole show where I get to do these crazy things with my good friends and we get to go on these awesome adventures and do these cool stunts, basically. 
And Quibi was cool enough to be like, that seems like seven minutes worth of good television. And we got to kind of travel all over. We went to Peru. What'd you do in Peru? I wore a meat diaper and swam in the Amazon River to try to get piranhas to attack me. Amazing. And did they? No. I mean, I got nicked a few times, but it turns out piranhas like don't attack like in the movies like in the what? movies like you put like a drumstick in the water and it comes back up and it's yeah, just the bone right. that was the fun part of the aquarium it was like those things You're can like, oh, they eat, finish off a cow in 0.3 seconds yeah exactly and that's not exactly what happened maybe they don't like actors <laughs> yeah they could smell me coming they're like Mm-mm, yeah. i don't like it <laughs> but the jungle was like formidable it just kicked our ass it was like 110 degrees and the humidity was like so thick we had like crew guys like pass out anders home who was my co-star for that episode he like puked he just was like turned around and just was like so like that was a bad idea just being in the jungle in itself and then we also went and we um, took a ice cream truck and I didn't know how to drive a stick. So they taught me how to drive a stick at the bottom of the mountain. And then we took one of the world's most dangerous roads. Oh, good. Along the side of this mountain. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's like 800 foot steep cliff. Great. And it's a mud road and it rained earlier in the day. So I'm like oh, fishtailing around. <laughs> and people were like, yeah, so, okay, well, that sounds crazy. What precautions did you take? And we're like, what precautions? <laughs> no precautions. So that was actually, like, very dangerous. And then when you got to the top of the mountain, you probably sold a lot of ice cream up there. We took the ice cream to the children of Maria, the little village at the top of the mountain. They pay well, right? Yeah. Oh, mad coin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the ice cream was, like, melted. It wasn't like a real ice cream truck. It was like we sourced the vehicle. So it was like a giant truck. That we just put coolers with ice in there, and then it didn't keep these ice creams frozen, so we're just handing them melted ice cream. They're like, thank you, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Cool, I think. I don't know. Who did you take on that one? That was Anders as well. He did both the Peru one. We were balling on the budget, so we couldn't take two people (laughs) to Peru with me. What did you do with Rebel Wilson? Rebel, we did something here. We like went on one of the like Wild West backlots by Disney Ranch, I think. And it was like, basically, we were sick of just being like the comedic best friends or the like, just a comedy person. And we are action stunt superheroes. So we are going to show like how badass we can be and do all of our own stunts. And then Rebel was like, yeah, but I'm definitely going to use a stunt person. So then we shot like a, (laughs) like a dumb, funny video where like, I'm fighting someone that's obviously rebel stunt double. And then it comes to me and she's just breaking bottles over my head left and right. And she shoots me and I fall off a three-story building into some cardboard boxes, which is pretty crazy. And then she lassoed me and then they drug me away by a horse. And that was the one that the stunt guys were like, absolutely not. We can't let you do this. And then I did it and it was just totally fine. Really? Like sometimes I think these stunt guys like. They want to do it. That being said, I get it. They do do dangerous stuff and they do get hurt sometimes. You're like disparaging stunt people. I'm disparaging stunt people because the whole time they're like, "Mm, you can't fall off the building and fall into the boxes. It's way too dangerous. A trained stunt person has to do it. And I'm like, but the whole point of the thing is that I'm doing the bad ideas. I can't just not do the bad ideas. And then I did it and it was totally fine. You're affecting their livelihood. Yeah, but also who is affecting it more, me or Tom Cruise? 
Tom Cruise doesn't let any stunt That's guys true. do any of his. So I'm still allowing them to help me with them. <laughs> <laughs> I get a call from the stunt guy union. Hey, uh, yeah, not cool. Not cool. And that being said, stunt guys are always the coolest people on set. You just like look at them and you're like, who is this renegade cowboy? Just yeah, always spitting, looking all cool. I know. And they have like a whole roster of different abilities. They can like rollerblade around. Yeah, rollerblade. <laughs> like all kinds of badass. They can juggle. <laughs> they do face they paintings. They board. <laughs> okay, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Maybe Italy. And I would just wear nothing but linens, like on the Amalfi Coast. Oh. And I'm just wearing linens and fun fedoras. Maybe uh, you smoke cigarellos or something? Yeah, I for sure will smoke some cigarellos. I come back like 80 pounds heavier because it's just nothing but pasta and limoncello all day. I feel like I need you to have a boat. Yeah, no, there will be a some sort of boat. Okay. I'm basically just imagining the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I'm the talented Mr. Ripley in this oh, situation. Oh, okay, so you're the killer. Yeah, I'm a psychopathic killer. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll do anything. I don't care. <laughs> it's my one-year vacay from life. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip cookie dough, or I might go mint chocolate chip. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll combo those both. I asked this question to a lot of our guests, and... That seems to be the flavor that men not only don't pick, but disparage. And they're like, ugh, mint, mint chip? chip? That's for chicks. I eat nothing but fudge. What is the man flavor? Vanilla. Vanilla? Vanilla has been the popular man flavor. Well, that is bizarre. I know. Well, vanilla's fine, unless there's any other flavor. <laughs> I think it's like they want the option of being able to put toppings on. Oh, sure. Yeah. See, I'm not a huge topping guy. I'd rather make the ice cream itself delicious. That's why you're going to be a wonderful husband. <laughs> you hear that, Chloe? <laughs> what was your first boss like? Oh, my very first boss. I worked at a grocery store when I was 14, and his name was Chad, and he was 19. So he wasn't like that much older than us, but he was like our boss. And for whatever reason, he really liked me and hated my very best friend. And he wasn't like a cool boss, but then he would do crazy things. He'd be like, hey, all the beer in the beer freezer, uh, we have a section of beer that's past the born on date. So we have to get rid of it. Go chug as many beers as you can in the break room right now. And I'm like 14, 15 years old. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, just go. <gasps> then it's just me like ah, chugging. And you chug like four beers. And at that age, then you're the yeah, drunkest man alive. Totally. And then it's back to me bagging groceries while chugging those beers. So cool. But in hindsight, um, maybe a, a dangerous personality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What or who has influenced your career the most? I would say... The Hollywood Improv Comedy Club has influenced my career in a way. That was my first job when I moved to L.A. I got a job working the door there. I, like, loved comedy, and I was like, I want to do stand-up, but as a way to do comedic acting stuff. And then I started working at the improv, and it was really, like, a good crash course lesson into, like, how to treat people because some people would come in and – were just rude, like comics. 
would come in and they're having like kind of a, a moment where they're famous. You mean rude to the staff? Rude to the staff. And I'm like, oh, I, I never want to be like that. And then you see a lot of times those people have like a good six month year run and then they crash and burn and then no one likes them afterwards because they were rude to everybody. And then you see other people who are just sweet, nice people and then they slowly but surely climb their way up the ladder and now they're way more successful, but they were always nice to everyone. So they're going to have some longevity. And I think that was like a good lesson to learn at it, like a pretty young age. I started working there when I was 20. So I worked there for like two and a half years and, and really kind of learned the ropes that way. Yeah. I think in this town, in this industry, it's important in all industries, but especially in ours when there's so much shifting of power. Yeah. Being a considerate person, is really important. Well, you got to see like the real like highs and lows and how quickly it can just shift. And some people that they're like on the top of the world and then their next movie flops or for whatever reason, something happens and, and they're no longer on top of the world and how quickly that can come and go and how it comes in. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Babes. I just remembered something. Don't let everybody do open mic toasting. Why? That's what I want. Okay, you can do it, but don't do it right before you're about to eat. Or just make sure you continue to eat. Because when people are oh, toasting sure. you, it's really hard to be like kind of shoveling food in your mouth and then you just end up... Not eating? Yeah, with yeah. nothing in your stomach. And they do tend to go on. Feeling real good. It was like three hours... Of mumbo jumbo memories that probably weren't very accurate. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we need to have like at the Apollo where they have like the Sandman come on and like sweep you off stage. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. might have to assign a, a good buddy uh -huh. to. Uh, okay. To be like, yeah. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> and that was hilarious. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What talent or ability would you most like to have? I would like to retain information better. Do you mean like lines? No, I can remember things short-term, fine. You'd think because they say like weed smoke, you lose your short-term memory. And I am an avid weed smoker, but I can remember lines, like easy. That's not a problem. But then like if I read a book and then you quiz me on the book that I just finished reading... I don't know anything about the book. Well, then why bother reading the book? Hey, that's been what I've been saying my entire life. Do you remember what your high school mascot was? Yeah, we were half Indians, half Patriots. After my sophomore year, an Indian chief came to our school and was like, hey, definitely don't be the Indians. It's offensive to us. So then my progressive ass high school in Omaha, Nebraska was like, you know what? Yeah. And we changed it to the Patriots, which is hilarious because... They were like, who killed the Indians? I'm like, maybe a different one. 
Yeah, it does feel like there was an aggressive <laughs> shift there. Yeah, yeah. I was like a dork. It was like in like student council and like student government and stuff. What was your position? I made up my own position. I think I called myself like student liaison. So I could just talk on the intercom in the morning. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So like I could give all the little speeches in the morning and stuff. So you were the intermediary between faculty and students? Yeah. I was like letting them know what the students want. What do they want? They want like vending machines with They want products? more vending machines. Mm-hmm. Turns out those are a lot of money. We couldn't get those. Did you communicate that well to the students? No, it's all, this is politics. Yeah. You just say it's coming. Don't you so worry. You were like, good morning, Patriots. Mm-hmm. I admittedly didn't want to be the Patriots. I wanted to be the Rough Riders, R-U-F-F, <laughs> just because I wanted to play that DMX song. <laughs> like, X, gonna yeah. give it to you. Gonna give gonna it to you. X, gonna give it to you. Gonna give it to you. Oh. I really wanted to play that at the beginning of football and basketball games. Yeah. And then the school board came to me and was like, Adam, we can't be the Rough Riders because the Rough Riders are a condom and we think you know that. And did you? No, I didn't know Rough Riders is the condom. I didn't know that. I don't know if it's actually a condom, but isn't it like when you just have sex really rough? I think you can spin anything into a, some sort of sexual thing. Sure. Like what would you do with mint chocolate chip? Ooh, that's a nasty one. We're not even explaining that. <laughs> So you were very well liked, mm -hmm. and this is what I'm getting from you. <laughs> like, you were in that special crowd of students. That was an elusive crowd to me. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily my attitude or my overall disposition that got me there. I had a bad accident when I was a kid. Can I tell you about it? Yeah, I'd love for you to tell me about my accident. Yes. Okay. All right, I will. Okay, so in 1995, That's right. you were 11. I was. And you ran out into the street and you were hit by a cement truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You were in a coma for two weeks. True. You had to use a wheelchair and it was unclear if you would ever walk again. Yeah. But 11, that's not that bad, right? At 11, you're like, mm, yeah, you know what? I haven't been walking that long anyways. <laughs> During that time... The two years that you were sort of recuperating, you would call into radio stations? Yeah, I would do different characters and different voices. Okay, so of course that was life-changing. Yeah, so in fifth grade, I moved to Omaha, Nebraska from Iowa, and I was like the new kid, and I'm trying to reinvent myself, trying to like be the cool kid and fit in. And then that summer, when I didn't have many friends because I was just the new kid, I got hit by the cement truck. And then after that, I'm known as like the cement truck kid and so like elementary school kids are really nice but middle school kids are really not nice like something happens like in sixth grade where they just turn and they're like we're mean now but everybody in the whole school district knew who i was because i was the cement truck kid and i'm on the news and they're making announcements about me before i came to school they're like hey be nice Be to nice the cement, to cement truck Adam. <laughs> yeah, cement truck boy. And so like everyone knew me and I knew going in that I was going to have like kind of a rough go of it because it's middle school. But I was always kind of a funny kid and my parents are really funny people. So I very quickly realized that I couldn't play sports and do the things that I would have tried to do if I wasn't 
crippled. So I then would just write comedy and like write basically slams on other kids, kids that I thought were going to pick on me. I would like write possible scenarios that they would say to me. So then like I always had like snappy comebacks when they would like shit shit on me for being crippled. Wait a minute. Truly, what person shits on a kid who got hit by a Oh, uh, Anna, middle school children do. They're the only people, any other age, you're like, oh, obviously don't pick on him. One thing, no one would fight me because no one's going to fight the crippled kid. So I could say anything. (laughs) So then from there on, I think it helped. People knew who I was. So I was able to be a a liaison. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you go to your prom? I did. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Yeah, I mean, yeah, from what I kind of remember, uh, yeah, we had a good time, I think. Was it the magical night that you had always dreamed about? <laughs> no, it was fun. I think we left early. By senior year, I think we were kind of done being in high school. So we were just like, cool, all right, see ya, and then went to a, a party. I think it was the change in mascot that kind of bummed you out. Yeah. If you were a rough rider, you would have fucking loved prom. Oh, because the entrance song would have been Yeah, then for sure. Yeah, you would have had your agenda pushed through. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I like that I was like a a young senator when I was like 16 years old. And then that immediately changed. But I I was just trying to push my condom wearing agenda. Which, by the way, as a high school student, you would think that they would like uh, a condom name. That's safe sex. And that's important. Omaha, though, I don't know. Yeah, I think that was the pushback. It was the location. Yeah. <laughs> if we were in SoCal, we might have been able to push that one through. Yeah. My brother, he's a sociologist, and he does a lot of research on bullying and high school hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And his conclusion is that the most popular students are the least likely to bully. And the least popular yes. students are the least likely to be bullied. They're more of like the just the outliers. Yes. You didn't need to climb anywhere because you were already at the top. I was at the top. Yeah. It's been a real fall from grace since uh, <laughs> since high school for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think probably I was pretty popular. And I do contribute most of that to being the cement truck kid. It was like me being in that wheelchair and just being funny, but then like having the wheelchair to be like, who's that wheelchair kid? It was sort of like being a star basketball player, like a kid that could dunk early. But instead of having any height or athletic ability, if I was friends with you, you got to get out early and push me to my next class. (laughs) Adam, are you now ready to confess on my podcast that you ran in front of the cement truck on purpose? Yeah, I was like, this is my time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) This was a horrible idea. All I have to do is get hit by a cement truck. Yes. Now Reagan Burris will finally talk to me. (laughs) Ooh, Reagan? Yeah, solid name. name. Yeah, solid name. name. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. for sure. You don't forget about Reagan. Have you gone to any of your high school reunions? I went to my 10-year. It was my position in student council to be the one to plan all of them. Oh, man, that's the kind of shit you don't anticipate in the having to actually do. Yeah, for sure for the tenure, 
the more responsible people that were in the student council that actually have gone on to like hold responsibility in their jobs. They listen to my podcast, so. <laughs> hey, Ashley Bolt and Keegan Niederdepe, please help me plan the 20th. <laughs> it's coming up in a few years. Yeah, so I went to the 10th, but it was for sure that these responsible women uh, helped me plan it. And then the 15 was also falling on my shoulders, but I'm like, you know what ruined like high school reunions is we all know what each other does now what we do like because facebook and instagram and twitter and everything social media in general we know what everybody's up to yeah i have one friend that i'm still in touch with i was like d plus c minus on the social hierarchy, which is kind of the worst place you could be but i wore a christmas tree skirt in defiance of my position like as a cape for a while to school (laughs) oh I love yeah. that. Oh, we yeah. would have been friends, I think, in high school. I don't know. You would have been kind. Because <laughs> I was kind of angry, too, from what I remember. Because, you know, it's hard to have a very accurate personal reflection on how you were perceived. You remember kind of what you felt, but it's how did you cover it up? Because I hated everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, this is oppression, and I'm forced <laughs> to serve my time. <laughs> Where did you go to high school? I went to Edmonds Woodway High School. We were the Warriors. They called us the Rainbow Warriors. Where in Washington State? In Washington State, yeah. yeah. I like it that you were like, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, Washington. yeah. 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 Well, you, you said something too. about that earlier. So, see, short-term memory. It's there. It's there. You ask me tomorrow, <laughs> I won't even remember doing this podcast. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> Okay, so your talent or ability that you'd most like to have is to retain... Retain information. Okay. Like my fiance can watch a show or a movie and then afterwards will be talking to me about the show or the movie and use all their names as if I remember any of their names. I think she's fucking with your head. No, she does. She just remembers well, all of them. I bet she does, but I bet that it helps that you don't. Yeah, that's probably true. You know what I mean? That's yeah, kind of fun. She knows that I don't and she can just make up names if she wants. Yeah. Okay, what is a trait you dislike in others? A trait I dislike in others. Just being too tall. Like, chill. I know. Chill with all that height. Like, it's too much. You're going to bump your head on stuff. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. I come from a tall family, Uh-oh. and I'm now 5'4", but not without a lot of struggle. <laughs> You're now 5'4". Like my identity was short. I was the sure. short mm-hmm. drama Christmas tree wearing <laughs> Christmas cape, whatever it is, Christmas tree skirt as a cape. That was my identity. So anyway, I feel you on that. I love your Christmas tree cape. I look back at photos and didn't realize how much hemp I wore as wardrobe. Did you have like cool, like thick hemp necklaces? I did that for sure. I had necklaces. I had a belt. I had a chain wallet. I had a bracelet. It was way too much. Did you hacky sack too? I hacky sacked. That was the only sport I was good at because I couldn't run. So, like, by the time I got to high school, I could walk at that point. Now, when you talk about the sport you excelled at, what is hacky sacking strategy like? It's the ability to look like an idiot and then continue to look like that idiot for the longest period of time. Because you don't look cool hacky sacking. No one does. You also get way sweatier than just a normal sport because you're just constantly picking up your knees. And it's like the ultimate, like, jazzercise class with your giant... Jenko jeans and your I actually didn't wear Jenko. I was a dungarees man personally. But yeah, I would just hacky sack through every lunch period. Do you think that singular idea of focus is that the appeal to hacky sack that it really doesn't require any strategy or thought? <laughs> uh yeah, I mean maybe. I guess I just wanted everyone to know that I had started smoking weed. <laughs> I think that's what well, me getting deep into hacky sack was all about. I have to tell you, I don't mean to attack hacky sacking. Actually, it taps into me feeling left out. Because no one wanted a hacky sack with you? Yeah. <laughs> I it felt like the circle was already tight. <laughs> like, how do I break in? I feel like we would have uh, brought you into you our hacky sacking circle. Yeah, I think so. You would have? Well, with that skirt, you're in any circle at that point. Well, you know, it was a cape. Even better. On my stand-up special, I talked about how I wish I had a, a cape. Just because I think the end of every joke would be better if at the end you could just like flourish the cape. This is a genius idea. It's great. I said on the special how awesome it would be if I just wore a cape the entire special and then never mention it. That because would be incredible. how funny would it be for people to be like, oh shit, he's going to talk about the cape. Yeah, look at this. Oh my God, he's wearing a cape. That's hilarious. And then they get like 30 minutes in and they're like, he must be closing with the cape material. He must be ending with the cape. And then when the show's over and they're driving home, they're like, I fucking hate that guy. He didn't talk about the game one time. Can you in your next special please wear a cape? Just wear a cape the entire time? Yeah, we'll see. I think it would test the loyalty of your fans, though. Yeah, that's true. That's what you want to do is... Uh, Cultivate the uh, yeah, the ones is, in the know. <laughs> is push their limits to how much they like you to the absolute brink. <laughs> You're the first person when I've asked that question that has mentioned anything physical. With what, a cape? What, no, uh, what is a trait you dislike in others? Oh, sure. <laughs> You're like height? Height, just because that's kind of what I don't have. So, yeah, maybe that. <laughs> it is off-putting. I like a huge basketball fan. So, like, I have season tickets for the Clippers and have for, like, the past, like, six or seven years now. And so I've become friends with some players. Now when I'll see them out and about, like, for instance, DeAndre Jordan, great guy. He was a center for the Clippers. And 
we're friendly with each other, so we'd always try to talk, but we're always like at a nightclub or like a bar or restaurant when we're trying to talk to each other, and it's always too loud. And so I'm screaming up to him. He has to like bend down, which immediately like I just feel like a little kid talking to him. And then we both just kind of give up trying to hear each other. It's like, okay, we both like each other, but uh, good to see. I'm going to be down here with, with my people and you be, be up there with your folks. Okay. What is a trait you dislike in yourself? Well, one, my forgetfulness. I will say like, I'm always embarrassed when I meet someone and they're like, good to see you. And at the same time, I'm like, good to meet you. And they're like, we've met. Remember when we, and I'm like, yeah. And so that's embarrassing. And then also like, I do have a bit of an ego and I think it's not like as bad as, uh, I think through experiences that I've had kind of coming up in this industry, I've been able to clock that I have an ego and know how to check it in the right times. But yeah, I do have a bit of one. I mean, you have to. You have to, yeah. Or else, like, you're not going to do anything. Yeah, I think it's a really difficult thing to sort of calibrate sometimes. You're always having to adjust it and just go like, okay, that's my ego getting in the way of this situation. Right. And then sometimes you're like, you need to have an ego to go after certain things. Yeah. To be like, you know what, I should be the one to have that role or I should be the one to – and like every stand-up has just a huge ego because you have to feel like you're good enough to take a microphone and talk to people for an hour and be entertaining and interesting enough to have people be like, yeah, I want to listen to that guy. You're truly a one-man band. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your favorite Rainy Day movie? Do you remember Demolition Man with uh, Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone? Damn. Deep cut. Love it. For whatever reason, when I was a kid, that movie just connected with me. I'm like, they're in the future. Sandra Bullock being all cute. Wesley Snipes being a psycho. Who was the demolition man? It was uh, Stallone's character. What was his name? John, John something. I'm blanking on his name. But they froze him, and then he came back 30 years later to fight his arch nemesis, Wesley Snipes' character. And Dennis Leary's in it. It's a great movie. All right. <laughs> Who would you call if you got food poisoning and couldn't really move? My mom, probably. I would say she's of grade A comforter. Moving on. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> okay, do you have a favorite book or author? I, I love Malcolm Gladwell. I read all of his books. I just find it really interesting. But I always say uh, Gary Paulson, Hatchet which is a yeah. book that you read when you're in like seventh grade. And it never leaves you. I read that book so many damn times. I loved it so much. And it's about a little boy who's going on a trip and his plane crashes. And now he's in the Canadian wilderness and all he has is a hatchet and, and he must survive. He's not just going on a trip, though. His parents are getting divorced. Yeah. I wonder if that really resonated during your time after Cement Truck. It for sure was during that time that I read it. So it must have been. It must have been like... All I need is my hatchet. And my mom's like, we're right. not giving you a hatchet. <laughs> You're in a wheelchair. You're not just going to sit here with a hatchet like a psychopath. All right. What qualities do you look for in a romantic partner? I think I, and I didn't know this. Selfishness. Just hot. Um, I think intelligence. And I didn't know that about myself going in until you look back at like, my serious girlfriends and all were very smart women. So I think I want someone smarter than me, which isn't that hard, but I want someone (laughs) 
who's pretty intelligent to so then I can hopefully tweak some of that intelligence off of them. I love it that you compliment your past girlfriend or at least recognizing a pattern in what you were drawn to. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Just that and big tits. <laughs> yeah. And just, just a sweet ass. See, I cut that. I cut my question out. <laughs> yeah, you're going to edit the uh, the intelligence yeah, yeah, part away, and it's yeah, just me yeah, going, yeah. just a sweet, sweet ass. ass. <laughs> what qualities do you look for in a friend? Probably loyalty. All of my friends, my, my close friends, I've been friends with since like eighth grade. They've just been in my life for absolutely ever, and we're still really, really good friends. Don't you think that part of having a Long friendship is really understanding patterns of communication. Sure. Like if you deliver a sarcastic comment very dryly or something like maybe new people in your life, you know what I'm saying, new people in yeah. your life might not pick up on. Would be like, oh, wow, that's rude or whatever. Right, right, right. I think it's maybe the safety of like understanding that you won't offend anybody. That's absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. On what occasion do you lie? I don't know. I mean, maybe... Uh, for sure, like within stand up and maybe like telling a story, you embellish certain parts to make it funnier or leave certain parts out because it's boring. Maybe that when I'm trying to be funny. I feel like you may have like the healthy level of ego where you don't really need to lie. Yeah, I don't lie that often. I would say I, I'm not much of a liar. Well, also like the truth is usually the funniest thing. So just say that. Usually if you say the truth unabashedly, uh, people are okay with it. I'm not a great liar and I'm not comfortable doing it. Well, it's weird. You know, there's a difference between not saying something rude and lying. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. If somebody's like, hey, do I look fat in this? And then you're like, you look like a cow. You look gigantic in that. <laughs> yeah, that, that is right. way too small for you. <laughs> Instead of going like, no. Oh, but maybe we find a, a different outfit or whatever. I mean, not that often are my friends asking, do I look fat in this? But I guess that would be an example. My dude friends are like, do I look fat in this? No. <laughs> yeah, that hat makes your head look huge. I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> All right. To whom would you most like to apologize and why? You know, maybe ex-girlfriends that I didn't treat our relationship with the respect that it probably that it definitely deserved, and then I was uh, immature. Well, I think it's hard in your 20s when so much of the focus has to be on your ambition, right? Yeah. I felt like sometimes I was like just too worried about my own thing and not worried about them or their feelings. Why don't you use this opportunity right now to name them <laughs> and personally <laughs> apologize? <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. I'll give you this gift. Beep. I would like to. Uh, <laughs> this one um, goes out to beep, beep. Is there a moment in your career or personal life that you're most proud of? Yeah, I would say career because we created Workaholics and that was our idea from the very beginning. We pitched it and then wrote every episode and produced everything and we're in the edit bay and the feeling of satisfaction when we were done especially with that first season when you like realized we had done it and it's in the can and we did it and we were really proud of it it is such a great show adam thank you so much they really let us do what we wanted to do and the whole time we were like 
we think it's great. We love it. Hopefully it'll resonate with people. Just finishing that first season before even knowing how people are going to like it. Yeah. And we were shooting at the house where we actually lived in the house together. So like we wrapped, but I'm just at home now. Like I'm just in my living room, which is the living room on the TV show. So I remember just like laying in the front yard and just all the like weight of pressure of like doing your first TV show. And, you know, I was like 25 years old. So I was like pretty young to have all that responsibility and to feel like we did it was the best. That's rad. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go into workplace. What would you do? Okay. All right. Your boss asks you to hand in a report by the end of the week. Yeah. And I relate to that. I'm always having to hand in reports. You always have deadlines. I constantly have reports to Uh While working hard on the final numbers, you notice an account that seems to be skimming small amounts of money into a private account. Okay? Yep. When you talk to your boss about it, he breaks down crying, and he admits he's using the money to pay for his mistress's... Let's make it boob job. So what do I do? In the, I mean, well, do you report him to? to who, uh, he's the boss, like the the, the, the federales. Su- he's got a superior that you're pretty chummy with. To his boss, this is a corporate gig that I'm working. Yeah. So what do you do? Honestly, I don't know. If it was like a mom and pop shop, and I'm like, oh, I see uh, this person's robbing this person, and I know like the people that own the company, and I'm like, well, that's fucked up like this is a a family and you're just robbing from them then i probably would if it's like a big corporation i would probably feel less protective over it okay how about this one okay while eating a chewy steak at the tgi fridays across the street from your office Mm. you slice your finger open with a steak knife okay maybe you don't really know how to use a knife very well Let's throw that in there. Let's say I don't know how to use utensils. So they're all new to me. I'm just limp-wristed trying to yeah. smack it against a chewy steak. Totally. So blood pools on the plate next to your garlic-salted mm-hmm. jazz fries. Mm-hmm. Yum. Just then, Emmy, the account lead from the very lucrative Anderson project you're trying to get onto, slips into the booth across from you. And she smiles. Hey, Adam. And she's like, can I steal a fry? And she grabs a fry and she dips it into what she thinks is ketchup. It's your blood. What do you do? I stop her. You do? I'm not going to let Emmy eat my blood. Yeah, I'm going to say, hey, Emmy, call 911. I'm bleeding very badly. Emmy, please call 911. And then, you know, what that does is that bonds us together. And then she's going like, oh, my God, he could have let me eat the fry. And then he entrusts me to call 911. Are you sure? Yeah, no. You're overestimating Emmy. No, Emmy's Emmy's cool. I don't know. I think behind your back, she's going to say, like, he's not proactive. He, like, he cut his hands. He wasn't able to do anything. I'm not even sure he knows how to use utensils very well. I don't think he's good for the project. Well, that is true. I don't know how to use utensils, but she didn't see me cut myself, so she doesn't know that. That being said, I cut my finger, right? Yeah. How am I going to stop the blood from coming out? you got to compress the wound, right? I'm doing that with my other hand. How am I going to call 911? Well, you can do it with your napkin and you. Yeah, but you have to, you have to press dial. it. Also, there's staff around at But TGI. Emmy's there. Emmy's right there. And now I bring her into my circle. Now she's coming, and then we have a bond. I'm locking eyes with her you as I'm doing the- this. And she goes. Incorrect assumption that Emmy is a caretaker. She is not. No, 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 no. 
I'm not saying she's a caretaker. She had to but take I'm care saying, of her boyfriend. Yeah. Who was hit by a cement truck for <laughs> two years. And she really, she really loves this guy. Okay. Well, he <laughs> seems like the winner in this situation. But I'm locking eyes with Emmy. Okay. Yeah. I'm locking eyes with her. Yeah. And now all of a sudden there's a bond. There's a connection here. And then she visits me at the hospital because they have to amputate my fingers. Multiple. I lose two fingers from this. Whoa. Which ones? Both. <laughs> Both of them. So you think that Emmy's going to put you on the project? How are you going to be able to type? Well, hey, guess what? What? I'm going to take six months of workers comp and I'm going to be at the house because I can't type. But when I'm home, all I'm thinking about is how to just up the sales and also productivity. Yeah. Productivity and also uh, making sure the supply chain, there's no kinks in the armor or chinks in the armor, whatever that phrase is. There's no chinks or kinks. Okay. So you truly are the liaison. I'm the liaison. Like you're coordinating everybody together. Yeah. Yeah. See? And it comes full circle. Would you be a good like SAG representative on a set? <laughs> <laughs> like that's always the weirdest. It I is know. the weirdest. It is so odd. Because they're coming into like your set where like you kind of know everybody and then they're like whispering to you. They're like, is there, are they treating you good? Adam, will you tell our <laughs> listeners what the SAG representative, what happens in that world? So we're part of the Screen Actors Guild <laughs> and a representative comes to every set that you're on and they're there to make sure that everyone's up to par with all the SAG rules and doing everything by the books. And basically, so producers aren't like making actors do something they're not comfortable with or doing things that are illegal, which for sure, you know, yeah, that seems like a good thing on paper. But 99% of the time, everything's by the books and you have absolutely no problem and it's perfectly good. But they come on set and it's your set. So you're like protective over kind of everybody else. And then the stranger comes in and then takes you off usually by the craft service table when yes. you're just trying to eat a red vine or something. <laughs> and they're like, Hey, how are you? So hey, is everything good? Yeah. Everything I'm your local okay? SAG representative. Yeah. <laughs> my name's Lori. So here's my card. Uh -huh. And just let me know if anything, if anything is going wrong. Just I'm here for you. Okay. And everybody's like looking at you. And I call every time. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, the producer is a creep. And is also, he is making me do super dangerous illegal stuff. So get them fired and make me producer things. The last time I called my SAG representative, I told her that I was tired of only having Sloppy Joes on Tuesday. I want them on Thursday. I want Sloppy Joe Tuesday and Thursday. And then it happened. See? And that's how we flex our power. You definitely want a whole crew eating Sloppy Joes twice a week. You have to, especially if we're shooting in a tightly confined space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the person in the cubicle next to you listens okay. to very loud music. Okay, what type of music? We we're going to get to that. Okay. But thankfully, with headphones on. Okay. However, they have the solo from Stairway to Heaven as the ringtone, and they never hear it ringing. And they get upwards of 15 to 20 calls a day. Additionally, their text message sound is the Little John Yeah, of which okay. they receive close to 100 daily. This person fundamentally makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe he's really tall. Yay. Yikes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you ask him to turn his phone on silent? Let's say this person has a slightly superior role to you. Like, it's just under the boss. You're just under this person. Okay. Uh, you do. And what you do is you go, hey, I don't mean to be rude, but 
Anna won't shut up about how it annoys her. So, oh, you need a little backstab. It's not looking good for Anna. I don't know what she's going to do, but she seems like a loose cannon, and we've got to nip this in the bud. So then, when Trevor comes to me, like in the coffee room, mm-hmm. this is how little you've been in an office. You call it the coffee room. It's the break room. <laughs> the break room. <laughs> In the bistro corner. Yeah. Well, anyway, when Trevor comes up to me in the bistro and is like, hey, Adam said that you want me to turn my music. Do you have a problem with that? Why didn't you mention anything before? Like, you can just come to me, you know. And then what do you do? I'm going to say, yeah, Trevor, that's true. My uncle pretty much raised me. Mm -hmm. And he loved Stairway to Heaven. And he passed away last year. And every time I hear it, it reminds me, and I'm sorry, I didn't want to make, like, I try not to bring my emotions into the office. I admire what you do, Trevor. I just didn't think it was my place to bring sort of these emotions to the workplace. So yep. forgive me. I told Adam this in confidence. It is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to me after that and goes, wow, you know what? I didn't know that she felt that way. I didn't know about her uncle. Did you know about her uncle? And I'm like, obviously, I know about her uncle. We yeah. talk. And then he stops with the stairway to heaven. But guess what? He doesn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's when I say, hey, I'm actually related to little John. He's my stepdad. Oh. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, you are? I love little John. And I'm like, I can get you a signed little John pillowcase. What? Yeah. And he's like, what? Exactly. But you have to stop this, Trevor. Don't be an asshole. And he's like, whoa, see? And then I took the power back from him, but he wants something for me now because he really wants that pillowcase. And so I'm like, you got to stop that. And he's like, all right, I will stop that. You give me that pillowcase and we're good. And also, do you get a raise out of this whole thing? Probably. I intimidate Trevor. I'm not sure you do. I just said, Trevor, you're being a dick. I like called him out. I took the power from him. By way of little John. Yeah, by way of little John. So this is chess. This isn't checkers, okay? <laughs> do you have an irrational fear? No, I'm actually like, and I think this goes back to like wanting to do the Bad Idea Show, and this sounds insane, but I'm like really not afraid of really hardly anything. Is that because you got hit by a cement truck when you were 11? I bet it does. I bet it does go back to that. <laughs> Even the things that I am afraid of, I still like to do because um, I end up liking to do the things I'm afraid of doing which is a stupid answer i wish i could just say like spiders but you know doesn't spook me i'm kind of with you i have fear but i guess most people don't concede that their fears are irrational so i guess i should rephrase that question (laughs) (laughs) no i think some people are like oh my god snakes (laughs) but if i said is that an irrational fear like i think that most people would say that's not irrational Mm, fairly rational yeah they could bite you and it would suck yeah you know what for the bad idea show i was really afraid to do some of the stuff we did a thing where we like there was this abandoned airplane that we put a ton of snakes on to do like snakes on the plane type thing and then it was my job to get on and take all the snakes off with like a clipper with no training at all and you know these are snakes and we did a rattlesnake like a real rattlesnake yeah so that was crazy but i will say that i don't like snakes i don't want to be like wrapped in snakes it just feels weird to me but as soon as the camera was on me the fear went right out my head and i was just an actor like playing the part of a guy playing a snake wrangler and i could just do it 
And the same thing with like the shark things that I've done and I've been on shark week and you know, we like tag tiger sharks and stuff like that. And it literally was as soon as the cameras went on me, the fear well, the camera keeps you safe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was like, I was thinking the sharks are part of the screen actors guild. They're yeah. SAG. Yeah. yeah. It's all, they it's they recognize okay. talent when they yeah. smell it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Adam, for what historical figure would you start a fan club? Um, well, how historic, like, they have to be dead. I don't know. There aren't any rules. There's no rules here. Not really. Jonas Salk? Yeah, man. That guy was a really smart guy. Uh, all right. Appropriate yeah. right now? Yeah. Fuck yeah. All yeah, right. let's get some vaccines going. <laughs> let's cook up some vaccines. Woo! Okay, I like that. The Jonas Salk fan club. Yep. Polio vaccine. Heard of him? <laughs> Heard of him much? <laughs> that was perfect. It was, like, appropriate. It's like ego gratifying in the way that actors need to be validated. Yeah. You know him? You're like, ooh, smart choice, uh-huh. Adam. Yeah. I pat myself on the head. I don't think I could have pulled that out. I bet you could have. I don't know. No, don't think so. Okay. All right. Yep. Who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Let's say four or five people. Barack. I want to chat that guy up. Also, Donald Trump, because I want to see those two go toe to toe. I bet it'd be a really insane dinner party. And then, you know, you got to throw in some, like, uh, I think Chappelle. I'd like him to be there. And then Roseanne, and we have her sing the national anthem before we start the dinner. And the dinner's <laughs> j- just a plate of hot dogs. And have it just be the most American <laughs> dinner that we could possibly just have. Just hot dogs and the accoutrement? Oh, well, yeah. There's buns. There's relish and mustard and ketchup and all Do that. Do you have to plate yourself or does somebody plate you? With your preferences. No, we're plating ourselves. This is pretty low-key. It's in a backyard. We're drinking beer. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Do we have Michelle and Melania? No, I no, don't think so. No, that's fine. That's I totally think, fine. Yeah, I think it's just just this crew. Michelle, if she was there, she would have given like a really poignant, funny story. And then Melania would be like, I have a story too. And it's yeah. kind of the exact same story. And you're like, oh, right. was that the same story? Uh-huh. <laughs> You're right. Did they just say the same story? Yeah. And you're like, no, nah, it's a little different. So then you kind of give her the benefit of the doubt. So that'd be cool too. So yeah, I guess they can come. They can come. Yeah, they can come. All right. Yeah. I went back on that. If you're a president, you get a plus one. I think that's kind of mandatory. Like if you were ever a president, you would get a plus one wherever you go. Like that's a law? I, yeah. I don't know if it's like an actual, I don't know. I think it's a social law. Just a plus one? Yeah, just a plus one. I like it. Plus one anywhere. Plus one anywhere. Like, let's say you're having a house party and you become buddies with Barack. I'm going to say, hey, Barack, listen, there's no plus ones at this party. I'm really sorry. And he's like, I'm bringing Michelle. Was that a good Barack? (laughs) That was pretty good. Yeah. Lauren Michaels is like, ring, ring. Can you do it next year? (laughs) Hey, Adam, in one word, how would you like to be remembered? Boombastic. Boombastic? Boombastic, comma, cherry fantastic. And they're like, whoa, that that guy, I don't know what that means exactly, but it seems pretty fun. I think that's the best answer we've received. <laughs> Boombastic. And so quick, too. Almost like I didn't put much thought into it at all. You'd be great on the red carpet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Adam, thank you so much for doing this. I had a really nice time. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Bye, Adam. Awesome. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, everyone. I would like to introduce you to Mark Brooks, who has been working in the internet dating world for more than 20 years. Mark is a consultant for the most successful internet dating companies in the world and has a unique understanding of how they work. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm pleased to be here and hopefully I can help out with some of these folks. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do? Sure. So, I work with internet dating companies. Back in 1996, I started an adventure club in Silicon Valley, and it grew. And it was a singles club that wouldn't admit to being a singles club. We never really said we were a singles club, because that would have been not, not good, really. That's about 95% of the people were single. And then a funny thing started happening. People started meeting and marrying. I thought, that's a lot of responsibility. I got invited to a wedding. I was like, wow. People are changing their lives based on this little club. So I took an interest in the early internet dating companies back then. And I ended up working with one in 2000 called Hypermatch, which was rather like eHarmony, but way before eHarmony. And then I found my way to work with Cupid.com. I actually worked with Friendster first. And then I thought, well, I like the dating side. I'm going to go with that. So I ended up being VP of Cupid in 2004 and then started Cortland Brooks, my little consultancy. And never look back. It's been, well, 15 years now. So I work directly with the CEOs of dating companies. My job is to try and grow the entire industry. Really, that's how I see it these days. So I run something called the Internet Dating Excellence Association. When we talk about internet dating, it's very much an art, figuring out who to date, what to do next. It's really kind of a scary thing for a lot of people. It scared me. So maybe we can bring some order to all this craziness. And that's what dating apps seek to do really bring a bit of order make it a bit easier but in some ways i think they've made it too easy interesting you must believe of course that this is the future of intimacy i think there's people who would agree with that but i don't think we're anywhere near there for a very key reason why and that is that we think we know but we don't really know what compatibility is oh wow okay well this is a lot to think about and i know i'm going to have more questions for you but let's um if you don't mind let's call katie first Hello. Hi, Katie. It's Anna. Oh my gosh. Hi. 
Hi, Katie. I'm here with Mark Brooks. He's a dating business expert. Hello, Katie. Hi. Katie, full disclosure here. I don't even know what a dating app looks like. I'm a serial monogamist. Like, truly, I think I've been on maybe three dates in my life. I tend to meet somebody, fall really hard, and then I'm with them for a decade (laughs) or more, hopefully. (laughs) So, Katie, will you tell us what's happening? Yeah. So I kind of have the exact opposite problem. I'm so awful at dating and I'm so awful at maintaining relationships. I'm 26. I've never had a long-term relationship. The longest I've had was about five and a half months. And there's kind of like a lot of reasons for that. There's a little bit of a timeline. I went to an all-girls school, first of all, so weren't a lot of options for me there. Right out of high school, I went to university in the States, but I actually had to drop out after a couple of years for health reasons. And then I was out of school for a while in this period of time where everyone was, you know, like 19, early 20s, getting out there, meeting people that they're still with today, or at least getting relationship experience and dating experience. I kind of skipped through that whole period of time. And then fast forward to when I'm like 23, 24, and I finally started dating. But this is where everything was done through dating apps. And it just makes me so nervous. And I I was never myself on them. I never really got to like a second or third date with most men. I had one relationship that lasted about six months and we met through work. Aside from that, it's been like zilch. And I have an okay time talking to guys. And then I, like, I just get so nervous when it comes to actually making the date and seeing them in person. I have a lot of trust issues, but I've worked to this place where I really do want a partnership and I'm ready to put myself out there and now the pandemic hit. So I guess my question is, how do I maintain this trust and this desire for a partnership now that I'm pretty much restricted to online dating? Mark, how would a young person be their authentic self? And then also, how do you truly get to know somebody in an online dating world? I think dating apps are a good way to go to kind of get the tough questions out of the way right up front and also feel more comfortable about having a conversation with folks in the context of dating. You know, it's very intimidating. Gosh, I remember one of the dates I had when I was single. Um, I just went overboard. I went too far. I just, I put too much effort in. Did it scare her? I think I did. Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Dating takes practice is the point. You've got to know what some of the rules are of the game. I don't know what they are at all. I have a terrible time making small talk. I'm terrible at like recognizing red flags because I love to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm dismissive of my own pet peeves. You know, I'm, maybe I'm not the best judge of character all the time, <laughs> but I wouldn't even know how to, especially on a dating profile, because to me, the little that I know, it feels like the questions are too simplistic oftentimes. I do feel bad because lately I seem to do this thing where I talk to someone and it's pretty easy going. And I've had like a couple phone calls with guys and they'll be like, okay, so do you want to go on a socially distant park date? And then I, well, I ghost them because I get so nervous and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to. Or like, I'll make up excuses. I've gotten to this really bad habit of running away the moment I get close to actually kind of getting to know someone. Right. I just don't know if people are genuine. I don't know what their profile looks if they're just kind of put up this front, if they're going to be extremely insane in person. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know. But Katie, I mean, your serious relationship was five and a half months. I mean, do you want this or do you, are you feeling societal pressure maybe to want it? That's a good point. I think about that sometimes. I think that 
maybe at this point, I'm just like, well, I'm 26 and I still have it. Maybe I just should. I think that I want it, but you're also right. It could just be this feeling of, well, now I'm even closer to 30 and I've never had a relationship. It feels like the longer I go, like the weirder it's going to look. You know what, Katie? The timeline pressure that we have is very real and it's not always applicable to everybody, you know? I mean, this is your life and your desires. And if you crave companionship in that way, that's one thing. But your feelings of not feeling very safe in this realm makes me wonder how you can find safety in online dating. And Mark, maybe you have some suggestions. I think there's some realities of internet dating which are really important to understand, and that is that people do fib, you know. I, I'm not sure the word lie is the right word, because people fib, they exaggerate, and they change their numbers. You know, that guy who's five foot ten and a half uh, might say he's six foot, and that's because a lot of the women will search for a guy who's six foot. And so there's some certain economics around internet dating which kind of makes people fib which is interesting. Mark, do you think that men tend to fib more than women? We fib about different things. Hair, for example. I will put up a photograph with a full head of hair because we like that photograph from 10 years ago when we had a full head of hair. Uh, you know, uh, weight and height and hair tend to be the things that people lie about in general. You know, I remember being on a profile some years ago and I thought, am I athletic? I want to be athletic. So I ticked the athletic box. There's no way I'm athletic. But I wanted to be. So sometimes when people are filling out their profiles, they tend to be aspirational. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be there. In a couple more months, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be athletic. So you get my drift. People are lying to themselves as much as they're lying to you, and it's fibbing. So in fact, there was um, a survey Real Me put out recently, and they found that three in four online daters admit to having misrepresented themselves on their dating profile. So this is the reality, but the context of the economics makes it kind of fair, if you think about it. The worst thing is to show up on a date and think you're meeting someone and you meet someone who's quite different. And I think that's where video really helps. I think that kind of context is good for practice. It's safer. So Katie, you can have one-on-one -on -one dates. You don't need to go on a date. You can do the date online first. Don't just go out and meet someone just looking at their photographs. Think of it as part of the verification process. You can see if they look the same. Some of the services integrate background checks and have kind of authentication. That's an important element. That's where the industry is going next is more authentication and verification, like face verification. So your concerns are real, but use video. And then you get a better sense of people. Katie, in your email, you write, can I just walk into a Starbucks or in my case, a Tim Hortons and start talking up a guy? And you also write, I'd really like to go out with someone who isn't just looking to hit it and split. Yeah. yeah I think the positive about dating apps or speed dating is that I do believe that most of the people on there are w wanting to be in a relationship or wanting to date at least. Absolutely. Right. So at least you're eliminating the dude at Tim Hortons that might have a fiance or whatever and leaving you with a little bit of like vulnerable feeling. I love it when people have gumption and courage, though. And if somebody is attractive or interesting to you, Katie, I love the idea of being, you know, courageous and saying, I think you're handsome 
I don't know if you're single or not, but here's my number and whatever. I mean, I love that idea. I have no idea how to actually implement that because I think I'd be too scared. Some of my friends in Los Angeles before quarantine were on dating apps and they complained that they would meet somebody and be texting with them or whatever, communicating maybe through the app and then never meet up. And they would be doing that for like a few weeks. Mark, what is that phenomenon? Is it just like flirty sexting? Like, are these other people in relationships? What is the actual fear? I mean, now it's obviously the landscape has completely changed. But what is the fear of actually meeting in real life? And what is like the safety that online dating can also provide too? And then like with what you do, how do we figure out if somebody has the same goals that you have? Yeah, so... We try and bring people together that are compatible, but we also try and make money. And one of the ways that we make money is by, you know, we give a lot of choice. And actually, the more choice we give you, the less likely you are to choose. So in some ways, you've got to be aware of the dynamic of dating apps. Is there a business to make money? And it's a funny business because if we do a good job, we lose you forever. <laughs> so be aware of that. You know, there's a lot of people pulling levers and designing apps that bring you joy in the sheer choice. Oh, interesting. I, you know, I think the best antidote to feeling fear and dating is to get out on 20 dates. Go out and say, I'm going to go on 20 dates. When I say go out, I mean, go on a video app these days. I don't think it's good practice to go out during this time on 20 dates, but you can do 20 dates online very quickly and really get a sense of yourself and the other person, you know, maybe you'll strike it lucky, but ultimately you're going to get to know yourself through the people you're meeting and build up this skill of dating. And it is a skill and a comfort level. And you've got to be prepared to be disappointed at some stage. But what we try and do is reduce the disappointment by increasing the safety. When a guy is interested in a woman, he has to communicate two things, that he's interested. And we're real good at that. We've got no problem with that. He also needs to give an uh, indication that he's safe. And that's where internet dating has had a hard time until recently. Would you feel like going on 20 dates, Katie? I would take that challenge. Really? I would do that. Katie, we're on to something here. Excellent. What if they're all charmed by me, though, and they all love me after? Of course they will. <laughs> Good. Then you're going to have to bring all 20 of them to Mark and myself, and then we will decide for you. <laughs> okay, I'm into it. <laughs> The 20-date challenge. Excellent. Mark, what dating apps would you recommend for Katie for her specific purposes there? You know, there's a way to help you kind of warm up to this video dating context even. I'd recommend checking out Meet Me. I'm a fan of the mode of the way they do video, which is one-to-many. So you don't even need to do the video. You can actually watch other people dating. You can watch other people doing a one-on-one -on -one date to see what they do. And it's fun to watch. You can give them advice. It's a, a nice way you can give them advice? to dip your toe in. You can kind of comment, yeah. And you can see a stream of like what people are saying. <laughs> it's just very entertaining. Like, don't order the sea bream? <laughs> Anything you want. <laughs> Within reason, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's an open forum with two people dating. And then you kind of vote if you think they should continue. So we're seeing this kind of evolution now. So that if you are not so keen on doing video, you can kind of practice, warm up, see what other people are doing, see how it all works, and then dip in. If you've spot somebody, 
that you really want to have a chat with, well, it could be another person in the date. It could be another person in the thread. So someone makes a comment that you'd like, you have a chat with them, uh, instant message them, and then you jump into a date with them. And that's the beauty of it. So I like that. It's a nice way to warm up to video dating. All the majors now are doing video, one-to-one. Katie, I love this idea. And what if, like, uh, number three is the... Uh... Is the one? <laughs> I think it's a great way, at least, at least if you do, like, three, it's a great way to dip your toe in. The thing is, it's good to have some commitment to the process, though. So I think we okay. need to hold right, you Mark. to it. 20 All right. Years, uh, <laughs> All right, Mark. Once you get into it. Laying down the law. I like it. Yeah. But literally, I mean, you'll know when you've met someone that you really like because you want to spend time with them. I think that's the essence of love, really. And so you just can't get enough of them. So it's very important to commit to the process because dating apps will find and introduce you to people who are single and available. I guarantee you're going to have some bad experiences. You're going to feel very uncomfortable on occasion. But that's just part of the numbers game, unfortunately. But Mark, let's say Katie is on um, date number five and she is just clearly not interested. Maybe the person is polite and kind or whatever, but maybe the chemistry is not there. Yeah. What's a good out? This is how little I've dated. Do you simply say like, it's been so lovely to meet you, Tom, but I'm not quite sure this is a this is a match. So let me reverse the tables a little bit here because it could be that you say, you know, I've had a lovely time, and then you bail, right? And that then leads to ghosting. You know, I think you have to be a little bit more open because ultimately the other person is going to put time into trying to reel you in, right? Try and get your attention again. And that builds up a discord and anger. Actually, that's where anger can develop. So the netiquette really is to be clear that, you know, it's great meeting you. I don't feel we're compatible, but it was great meeting you. And that's it. And the other person should respect that. And if they can't, that is an issue, but it's not your issue. (laughs) Okay. I like that. All right, Katie, what do you say? Yeah, I'm going to do the 20 dates, and okay. I will try not to go. Wonderful. Katie, thank you so much. Thanks to both of you so much. Good luck with it, Katie. All right. Have a great rest of your day, Katie. You too. Bye. Mark, thank you so much for your wonderful advice. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. I enjoyed that. Thank you. See you soon. 